Good morning. Good morning. Happy Patty's Day. Welcome to Convocation. It is my honor today to present five seniors who will give their senior statements. They have spent the last four years accumulating wisdom to give to us today. So we appreciate that. Uh, we have five speakers. The first two are Lasan Owe Drago. He is a public relations major from Burkina Faso. And then we'll have Kate Stoltzfus, a double major in English writing and journalism from Goshen, Indiana. morning. Um, people often ask me, how did you end up being here at Goshen College? This is a question that I, I hear very often. So today, um, I want to take this opportunity to share with you how I ended up being a, a Goshen College student. And most importantly, I want to also share with you how, uh, what I learned through my, uh, the time I spent here at Goshen College. So um, 1943 was a, a crucial year for me to be uh, here at Goshen College. I can assure you that it's not my birthday. <laughs> That's right, 1943. It all started in 1943 when uh, the state of Arkansas elected a distinguished young man a visionary and dynamic leader to the U.S. Senate, Senator William James um, Fulbright. Senator Fulbright was the kind of cosmopolitan who valued diversified cultural experience as a fundamental in the shaping of world peace. He dreamed of a world where different peoples, different cultures will understand each other and share ideas and values through education. So in 1946, Senator Fulbright promoted the passage of legislation establishing the Fulbright Program, a program of educational grants sponsored by the Bureau of Educational and uh, Cultural Affairs of the United States, other governments around the world, and uh, the private sector. So the Fulbright program set up a mission to increase mutual understanding between the people of the United States and uh, people in other countries through the exchange of persons, knowledge, and skills. And today it's considered one of the most prestigious award programs in the world and it operates in uh, 155 countries. So in 2010, that's um, 67 years after the election of Senator Fulbright and uh, 64 years after the, uh, the legislation. I was a, a sophomore at the University of Agadou in Burkina Faso. And uh, I was studying applied linguistics. So I applied to, um, I applied to be a Fulbright uh, scholar. 
Fast forward to 2011. Let's skip all the details of the application and yeah, all the details. So in 2011, I was accepted as a Fulbright Scholar. So I was asked to um, find a, a US institution where I would go and uh, study. I looked up at uh, websites. Uh, I found uh, smiling faces. And they were all telling me that this is the right place to come and study. But um, I didn't know much about uh, the education system here. So instead, I did, I did not choose. So I uh, gave uh, the description of the type of school I want to attend to the Fulbright Committee in Burkina Faso. And they made a connection with Goshen College. I looked up at Goshen College's website and I found the same smiling faces, but I relied on the institution that made the connection and uh, yeah. On uh, July 30th of 2011, I was uh, ready at the airport of Burkina Faso with uh, um, my family, my friends, a group of more than 30 people uh, to, who came to say goodbye as I was boarding the plane uh, to the U.S. And that's how I ended up here. So I arrived here in the fall of 2011. My sojourn at Goshen College was a very special one. I came to appreciate the distinctive advantage that Goshen College has by being a, a community-centered school and also by just being very small, like very small, as compared to, <laughs> to my former school, which has at least 45,000 students. So over the three years, I uh, like to say that I arrived at the capacity to learn and utilize uh, different uh, skills in the field of communication. So, um, yeah, it's good. And I think that those of us who uh, had gone to a different school uh, before coming to Goshen College, we are in the, in the right position to uh, appreciate uh, the quality of the education that we're so blessed to uh, have here at Goshen College. Only someone who um, has tried like over a semester to talk to his professor unsuccessfully knows how important it is to have, a, you know, to be able to just shoot an email to your professor and just get a response a few minutes later. So, and also here we, um, we learn a lot, but also we learn to transfer our academic skills into like sort of marketable ideas, which is really great. I know that um, the job market out there is really tough, but I'm really confident that I will get my dream job. I have no fear for that. And uh, I do not really shake when I'm in front of someone, uh, an interviewer. I know that if she does not hire me, it's not about me, it's probably about her. And uh, 
someone else will. <clears throat> and that's how Goshen College kind of like prepared us, prepared me to, uh, you know, go in the world. But make no mistake, Goshen College did not only teach me um, academic skills. I've been nursed and groomed to be a um, servant leader uh, and a global citizen. I'm walking away from Goshen College with a sense of responsibility toward others. And besides, as a Fulbright uh, alumni, to be soon, I'm accountable, I'm held accountable for building a bridge between uh, the people, the culture of the United States, and the culture of my home country, Burkina Faso. I know for sure that um, in Burkina, people will judge me and my, uh, like will judge the American culture, the American people, and specifically the Mennonite people in light of my actions and my behavior. That's something that is going to happen. And the reason is just because I studied here. I'm aware of that. And um, I'm hoping that with your continued support and prayer, I will live up to uh, those expectations. Graduation is just in the corner. And I'm standing tall here, raising my head high and I'm feeling proud. I know that my experience at Goshen College is not a singular one. Many of you have uh, similar stories and similar experiences. But I would like to know two things about Goshen College that I really did not come to a term with over these three years here. Number one, no, it's not a secret that um, student refers to the professors by the name, the first name, Skip, Duane. <laughs> and uh, occasionally, when the name is too short to stand alone, only then they will uh, add the last name, like Paul Kime, like Jane Shetler. <laughs> and, even the president is uh, sometimes like, referred to Jim. So this has been very tough for me to adjust to that and call my professors by the first name. Even now, sometimes I feel really guilty when I'm sending an email starting with that awkward salutation, hi, Pat. <laughs> it's really awkward. Number two, uh, the sub-zero temperatures that led to the closing of the school. Uh, seriously, that was too much. <laughs> um, I grew up in a place where the temperature were as high as 40. And I'm talking Celsius here. So you do the math and you will understand my concern. It's like over a hundred uh, degrees uh, Fahrenheit. So coming in a place where the temperatures drop, like really, it was not easy. Um, 
Now, on um, maybe a little bit serious note, um, the ongoing uh, conversation about LGBTQ issues in the United States in general and uh, Goshen College is something I really paid a lot of attention to because I always try to understand uh, the author without necessarily denying uh, my own beliefs. So I have observed and uh, listened to the conversation on Goshen College campus with a lot of interest in the sense that um, where I'm heading to after graduation, um, these issues are not talked about and even like people who are gays or lesbians do not. We don't even talk about it, it's like a non-issue. So having that opportunity to be um, in a place where people talk about it openly, it's, is a great learning experience. And uh, listening to both sides of the spectrum of the conversation is, uh, I came to the conclusion that uh, with time and patience, uh, we'll arrive at a happy medium where, yeah, everybody's okay. Another thing about Goshen College that uh, secretly challenged me was, uh, and, and somehow helped me grow in my, uh, in my personality is um, the faith mentoring environment that Goshen College provides. As a matter of fact, I'm not a Mennonite, you know that for sure, and I'm not even a Christian. Um, I want to talk specifically about faith because a lot of people who know me will not describe me as a spiritual person. Yet, um, in some ways, I'm kind of like spiritual too. <laughs> so I grew up in a place where um, kids learn to, to memorize uh, all the chapters of the Quran, the book, by the age of 17. And they pray five times a day stay away from alcohol and all these things. Well, I'm not claiming that I'm still in line with that today, but um, I just like to keep my faith to myself. Yeah. So, um, overall, um, the people I met at Goshen College the faculty, the professors, personnel, the domestic students, as well as the international students, you all have contributed a lot to my experience and uh, to shape my uh, worldview. But an African proverb says that um, it doesn't matter how long a piece of wood remains under water it surely will never turn into um, a crocodile. Keep it there, it's gonna just stay a piece of wood. I would like to say that as much as I appreciate the values, the ideas and manners which I was exposed to, I've tried to remain true to myself. But the truth is that over my stay here at Goshen College, I've changed in a lot of different ways. 
I came to understand that change is a constant in life and that I do not have to endure it, but rather I want to affect it in order to have uh, control of uh, the person I'm growing into. I believe that direction and intention determine our, our destination. And Goshen College has provided me with uh, direction, solid academics, and uh, a safe environment in which um, a young African person needed to find his way in a global world. So I'm looking uh, toward the future with hope and confidence. This May, two days after my graduation, I will travel to Kenya with nine of my classmates to do uh, public relations work for Food Resource Bank, uh, MCCs, and other, um, uh, yeah, other Christian uh, relief organizations. And uh, specifically, I will be interviewing rural subsistence farmers to represent uh, an authentic image of their cooperation with uh, um, MCC, Food Resource Bank, and uh, the other Christian uh, relief organization. And this is a huge opportunity for me because um, it will allow me to put into practice uh, things that I learned here at Goshen College and uh, also I'll be serving, I believe, a just cause by helping um, fight uh, the misrepresentation of Africa in Western uh, culture and media. Like when I talk to my fellow African students on campus here, uh, something that comes over and over is that we're not understood, people don't understand us whether we're just behaving the way we're brought up or we're trying to you know, behave like the people from here, there's still uh, some sort of judgment toward us. And then uh, the rest of the summer, I'm hoping to spend it in my, uh, my family's farm in Burkina where I will relearn to live a little bit without Facebook and uh, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. And hopefully next, uh, next fall I will be coming back in the States to go to a graduate uh, school um, to study um, either journalism or international relations. A friend of mine um, who is a Goshen College graduate, 2013 graduate, Mohamed, uh, Mohamed Yarba told me like a few days after I arrived to Goshen College that um, once you become part of Goshen College, you remain Goshen College forever. And uh, I think he's right. I'll be visiting sometimes when I find myself around Midwest here. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. 
A lot can happen in four years. When I was given the task of succinctly summarizing my college experience into five minutes, I didn't know where to begin, in part because these years weren't just ordinary. They were four of the most intense, thought-provoking, insanely wonderful years of my life, and to attempt to articulate just how I feel about them is a bit of a challenge. But it was a challenge I could not turn down because everything Goshen has given me deserves a chance to be put into words. I think I always knew I'd end up at Goshen, as the daughter of our current professor, and one in a long lineage of family members who had studied, taught, found life partners at, lived near, or uh, went to the college, I felt my path in higher education had already been decided for me. I was that baby in GC paraphernalia. <laughs> because I spent my growing up years hanging around the outskirts of the college, I thought I could pretty well predict what I was getting into, but I couldn't have been more wrong. It's one thing to live near campus and feel its ripple effects. To be a student is another game entirely. I can still remember move-in day. At the parents' send-off chapel, Jim Brenneman told us a story from a children's book about that empty bedroom at the top of the stairs, one that would stay empty because we were here now as college students, leaving our old lives behind. I couldn't stop thinking about that room while all the other freshmen around me pretended they weren't crying, but most definitely, like me, were blubbering into their sleeves. Even though my parents were only going to be five minutes away, I began to realize that I was stepping into some new beginning that would make my life very different from what it was before. In that, I was right. In these last four years, there were a lot of good things. Squirrels I caught eating pizza crusts, Kratz 107 being the perfect place for spying on people in Java, late nights putting together the record, classes that taught me to use wrong words and find right ones, poetry in the woods and hymn sings and connectors, and discussions that solidified my values for peace, words, and freedom of thought. To be able to experience all of this with a community of incredible people was probably the best thing of all, which leads me to one of the most important lessons I learned, how to ground myself in community, but also be willing to leave it. When I first arrived in Ayacucho, Peru for a service assignment last spring, my host dad, Vincente, picked me up from the bus station, led me past a group of squawking turkeys outside his home, and left me in an empty room by myself. I already felt very nervous at the unfamiliar, and he was gone long enough for me to wonder if I would spend my entire six weeks alone with no one but turkeys. Of course, Vincente eventually came back, and he brought my little sister and host mother, who wanted to know why I had come to Ayacucho. They thought I was a missionary. Uh, at that moment, I didn't have an answer. It was difficult at first not to know anyone, to go to the bathroom in the dark, and to sleep in a room with my entire family. But every day after that, we filled up the house with stumbling talk while guinea pigs ran around us, and somewhere between cold showers, bags of bread for 10 cents, and school children who loved me no matter how much I smelled, I found that culture, given time, does not impede true friendship or love. Whatever awkwardness I had first felt was gone, replaced by people who became like my family. A few days before I left, my little sister, Raina, brought home a fish-smelling, bare-bones puppy from the street, which was supposed to be a gift for me to take with me to remember Ayacucho. <laughs> I knew there was no way I could take a puppy on an airplane, but I was going to carry those people and what they taught me with me wherever I went. I realized then that we create communities for a while, at Goshen or abroad, as children with our parents, and then as adults and beyond. Communities that stretch us and leave marks, and then we leave for new ones. I'm not saying we shouldn't continue to be part of our old communities or to hold on to those people and places we realize are important, but being open to other opportunities is equally necessary. 
While leaving can be difficult, I think it is important to continue disrupting that sense of comfort with the unknown and exploring what other places hold, all while hanging on to what your past communities have taught you. I believe after four years that this is what I was meant to learn at GZ. Simply put, I cannot just live in one place or culture. I want to continue to live as openly as I can, not limiting myself to one viewpoint, but always being willing to change, to fill up new rooms and vacate others. I am often very resistant to change. I am not exactly sure what my plans are for next year. Ideally, I'll try to move to the East Coast and work with writing and books in some way. It will be very hard to leave Goshen. What gives me comfort is not only knowing that I can come back, but that there is such fulfillment in spreading out into the world. Goshen College has taught me the meaning of home and also given me the courage to leave it. To those of you who have been with me, to leave you will be the hardest of all. What I hope is that as we find ourselves in new cities and new places, we will occasionally find each other, and then we can reminisce about where it all began, at a school that taught us an incorrect way to spell the word leaves, and made us proud to be foliage. Thank you. Our next two speakers are Michelle Espino, a double major in physics and math from Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then we'll have Lauren Treiber, who's a peace, justice, and conflict studies major from Grand Rapids, Michigan. First off, I'd like to say that never in a million years did I imagine myself graduating from Goshen College. One of the main reasons was because until my senior year in high school, I have never even heard of Goshen. Till this day, I don't think that very many people from my high school know where Goshen is located. Some of my friends still think I went out of state. Just to put it into perspective, um, on this map, or not, Okay, on this map, in purple is Goshen, and my hometown is in red. So it's only about an hour and 15 minute drive, yet today I can go home and say, I'm going back to Goshen, and people are like, where is that at? So, um, but I have to say that I am thrilled to have learned about this location and to have been part of this community for the past four years. I have Nina Mischler to thank for always coming to visit my high school and for luring me to, with the extremely popular purple pens that she'd always leave for me. It was only then that I looked into Goshen College and fell in love with the possibility of studying abroad. At the time, I also had no idea what I wanted to major in. I was interested in math, physics, engineering, or pre-law, and well, Goshen College made that, all of those, an option. It might have been a very late decision, but I am honored to have attended Goshen. It has become my home, and it's crazy to think about graduation next month, and to think about moving out in May, and to having to say goodbye to all to some of the best, most amazing people I have ever met. Today I was asked to share particular experiences and people that have greatly impacted me while I have been here. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that there are many people that I have to thank for all of my accomplishments. Two particular people that I, have, that I will forever remember are my SST leaders, Gerald and Jane Ross Richard. Although they had led other Peru SST groups before mine, they still had many complications occur with my group and yet they were always there to help us find a silver lining. They were like parents to many of us, guiding our every step, taking some of us to a doctor or a clinic every other day, and just being there for us when we were homesick or going through a rough day. They helped SST become a positive and life-changing experience. And from them, I learned that when things go wrong, 
it's important not to get caught up in the moment. And of course, that later those bad moments would be great stories. Other people that have greatly impacted me here at GC are the many friends that I have made. Every time someone asks me what my major is and I respond, double major in math and physics, the next thing they say is, wow, you must be very smart. And I decline the assumption. I would have to say that the only reason that I have made it this far is because of the support from my friends. There were times where I would be so caught up in homework and studying and my lovely friend and twin would make dinner for me and tell me that with a good meal, I would be able to focus better. On another occasion, I would be stuck on homework and just about quit when my friend would arrive and teach me the content that I needed to know. We would then proceed to do homework until two or three in the morning. Another one of my, another one of my friends was just always there for me and help homework become bearable. It's definitely true what they say that two heads are better than one because I think there are many times that I would have quit without her. Then there were times where I just feel so exhausted and I wouldn't think I would have the energy to continue. Yet my friend would go home and pack some stuff and come back and spend the night with me and just keep motivating me to continue. I also remember feeling so stressed and overwhelmed and this really cute guy would come over, he took some blankets from his bed, and he built a fort for me so that I can enjoy doing homework in a more comfier location. <laughs> it's being part of groups like my SST group, cross country team, and the track team, and making friendships with many of you that have really helped me physically, mentally, and spiritually, so thank you. Additional people on my list which have really impacted me are my professors David Hausman, Paul Meyer Reimer, John Ross Buescher, and Patricia Oakley. They have believed in me more than I believed in myself. They have taught me the meaning of hard work. Yeah, they may have given me endless hours of homework, but it's the thought that counts, right? <laughs> Everything that they have ever helped me with or taught me has pushed me and helped me become the person that I am today. And I feel that I am prepared for the future. All these people that I have mentioned have made me gain confidence in myself and they have inspired me to be like them. I also want to encourage others and help them achieve their hopes and dreams in any way that I can. My next step after Goshen is to attend an engineering college and obtain a civil engineering degree. Goshen has taught me to be a global citizen, a servant leader, and a compassionate peacemaker. And that's what I plan to do as an engineer. I want to travel the world and help build schools and clinics for third world countries and aid them in whatever they may need. Through my SST experience, I have learned that there are many others in need and that they would love help finishing their homes, their schools, their churches, and many other things. My friendships here have also taught me that it's the small gestures that can help others reach their goals. So I want to push, put these things together and be that small component that can help others reach their potentials and dreams. I am very proud to be graduating from Goshen College, and I am very excited to be part of something bigger and better. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lauren. 
Um, when first years arrive on campus every August, they are given a lanyard, an ID card, keys, probably a mug, and maps. Lots of maps. Um, I got here in 2010, and I am only just now realizing that the maps don't mark everything that I needed to know, like where the science building is, but also that I'd never go inside unless it was for a class in Bible religion. Or that there are very good and very bad places to cry on campus. I do not recommend the bench behind the apartments or anywhere in the library or the rec fit center. Um, they, they don't indicate uh, the places you will try to walk rather than bike and that it is a stupid idea, like the bowling alley or the depot or Walmart. They don't explain Goshen dating or that you will do it by accident or that you will have to endure many long hours of board games and bike rides before realizing that a date at the brew isn't hanging out so much as it is like locking down a marriage proposal. <laughs> Um, <laughs> maps do not list the things you will eat for dinner when you really don't want to walk to the rot. For example, Halloween candy, a pint of homemade applesauce, a pizza you found in a dumpster, berries from your friend's garden, or cliff bars that your mom mailed you that you kept in your desk for six months. My point... <clears throat> is this, college is everything and nothing we expect it to be. It changes us in ways we do not want to and ways that it must. We sleep very little, but we laugh very much. When I got here four years ago, I had long hair and a lot of opinions. I was um, very bad at listening. I was manipulative and I was starving. And I am still loud, I am still introverted, I still have opinions, and I still have no idea what I'm doing, but the difference is that I don't do things that revolve around me. I didn't know about Mennonites or even Anabaptists before coming here because I am from a magical land called Western Michigan that is shaped like a hand and is full of things like Costco and country clubs and very tall Swedes with blonde hair and the Reformed Church. So... <laughs> So I came here for an experience with this magnetic pacifism and utter generosity and servant leadership. I chose Goshen for the professors who have invested in my brain and my soul and my self-worth, who have given me some of the worst grades I've ever gotten, but also who came to my baptism. Because of Goshen, I say carry in instead of potluck, and occasionally supper creeps into my vernacular, which I think is a very radical change. <laughs> um, because of Goshen, I know about just war theory and also how to shower with only a small bucket. I have seen glass towers full of skulls. I have climbed mountains in the jungle. I have shaved my head. Because of Goshen, I have come to actually believe that it's possible to do one job and feed my soul and also my belly. I wrote that list of things that I have learned um, a week ago and reading through them over the weekend, I noticed that it, because of Goshen, because of Goshen, because of Goshen, and it really makes it sound like I'm saying, Goshen College, the institution has given me all this stuff and look what it spat out, this creature I am now. I mean that positively. <laughs> um, but the reality is that I think, I know that God did that changing. God did that work, God did that shaping, and the reality of saying that to you and believing that genuinely is that I'm also saying God is here. 
and moving and, and talking to us, talking to you and to I, and wow, we really ought to be listening. Over the last four years, I have adopted sort of a guideline of simple living for myself, which just means to strip everything down to its bones and keep only what is necessary or what is not harmful. So for me, for now, that means not eating meat, not buying new clothes, not having hair, but all the time it will mean clinging to Christ before anything else before anger, before argument, before the multitude of opinions I carry and always will carry. It means choosing listening and loving before anything else. So Goshen College's maps don't tell you that you will see 100 inches of snow or 100 degrees of heat in an eight-month span of time. They don't tell you about Anabaptists and their utter generosity or relentless humility. They don't tell you about taking a bike ride in warm nighttime. They don't tell you about SST. They don't tell you about the ways you will be wounded, and they do not tell you about grace. Mostly, maps of Goshen College do not tell you how fast it's going to pass by. So, I'm standing here, like other seniors have, and many other seniors have in other years. And like probably all seniors at this point, I have a list of last things. Last campus bedroom, mm -hmm. <laughs> last kickoff, last meal plan, last main stage, last paper, last semester, last chance. Last chance to say something to to something that I love, and that is Goshen College, but it's not Goshen College, the institution. Goshen College, the thing with the PR team and the boards of whatever. <laughs> Goshen College, the people. Goshen College, the community. Goshen College, the body that will never stop growing, the body that I am a part of. It's you that I'm talking to, and myself, a lot of the time. So, <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Let's love recklessly, please. Let's listen to God and go in that direction because when we push God out or we act like God is somehow not relevant, we get rid of truth, we get rid of love and justice and mercy and all these things we talk about all the time, even in class. God is not so small like the arguments we have between each other, and about each other. So, I must really love you, see? Um, let's loosen the chains, Goshen. Let's loosen the chains. Being brave means choosing freedom, and it's really, really hard to do that sometimes, but we can't have maps for everything. Finally, we'll have Martin Hofkamp, a Peace, Justice, and Conflict Studies major from Peabody, Kansas. So I figured that somebody'd better talk about our recent controversial article in, uh, in the Goshen College Record. And if I turn here to page three, chapel and convocation planners express concerns that students are, and I quote, 
spending the majority of either chapel or convocation on their iPads. <laughs> the general lack of interest in the speakers or programs has been obvious. I wish someone had seen that coming. But seriously, if you so much glance down to check that Snapchat, I will call you out in front of God and everybody because this is my last chance to tell you, Goshen College, how it really is. And Lord knows I can't give up an opportunity to preach it and tell the way it is. And even if you don't listen, my ASL interpreter here will be because she has to do the painful job of doing that. And by the way, thank you. But you all don't want to be here until 11.30, so I'd better get focused. When we walked into the television station in Paraguay during Anabaptist history of uh, Mennonites in Paraguay with our professor John Danger Roth, uh, he quickly made himself scarce and hid in the corner of the room because he knew what was likely coming. You see, the Mennonites there wanted to know why we, a group of North Amer Americans, were down there studying Mennonites. Only they wanted to do it in front of a live television camera in front of the entire nation of Paraguay, and so Angelique Santos and myself were chosen to make a fool of ourselves in front of the entire nation, answering the question, what is a Mennonite? Which is what I'm going to answer for you today, because somebody ought to talk about that, and we've been having a lot of t discussions about identity and whatnot. You see, Paraguay was a unique opportunity because it provided a mirror a mirror to look back at ourselves because there was an enclave of ethnic Mennonites in the larger Latino communities, kind of like what you would see here at Goshen with enclaves of Mennonites in a larger Goshen College community. And it was a conversion experience for me. And I think at our best, Mennonites are known for living out our faith, rejecting war, and emphasizing community. I'm getting distracted because I saw somebody on their iPad. But I'd like to focus on the, um, an example of this, which was the um, prison ministry program that we got to visit. And yes, I'm going to talk about prisons again. And prisons in Paraguay are not exactly like the prisons that you would see here. You see, here people are separated from each other and have a limited list of activities that they can do. And they're separated from the people that are visiting the prison, often by walls or screens, and can only visit by telephone conferences. But in Paraguay, it's a, it's a group of everybody kind of thrust into the same cage and kind of can do whatever they want. And it's chaos, mayhem, terrifying. It's an orderless free-for-all where people are given beds only if they can afford them. And if you can afford a bed, you might also afford a nighttime accompaniment, accompaniment because after all, you paid for it. The pastor giving us the tour warned us that before you get to heaven, you have to go through hell first, and he wasn't really joking. After a quick glance at our identifications, we were thrust two by two into the midst of several hundred Paraguayan prisoners. The wall of noise that overcame us was incredible. I was sincerely frightened because I understood some of what was being said to us, the rude gestures, the cat calls, and, and they weren't even directed at me. Likely our physical uh, safety was never really in jeopardy because we were accompanied from the gates to the, to the Christian section of the prison by these volunteers dressed in red suits that uh, John Roth uh, later referred to as angels, and he claims that's all he remembers from that trip from the gates to the, 
to the prison, but, but there we were suddenly in the Christian section of the prison. Now, Christian in prison seems like a contradiction in terms in many ways, but here, if people agreed to live by an, uh, some guidelines and go to one um, chapel or uh, chapel sort of thing a week, they were given a level of freedom and security. They, they had their own bed. They could work on leather-made goods. They could study. They could play a game of volleyball with their feet. It was really impressive and kind of beautiful. It was Mennonites living out their faith in action. They organized all of this in the midst of this Paraguayan hell. Man, Mennonites are pretty awesome, aren't we? There was a... Well, that's what it should mean to be Mennonite, but I guess not all the time we are like that. You see, sometimes Mennonites get wrapped up in issues of identity, and, and this is exemplified for me in a conversation I had leaving the very same church that, that set up this um, particular um, prison ministry program. See, this man came up to me and he's like, oh, you're Mennonite and you speak Spanish, right? Hmm. You know, uh, you, know you have to learn to speak German, if you're going to get into heaven, right? Well, I don't know if, if Jesus spoke German, I responded to his joke. Well, he didn't speak English either. Okay, we can agree on that. <laughs> and for me, this exemplified a, an aspect of Mennonite identity which is based on excluding people. We, we far too often exclude people who don't talk like us, who don't look like us, who aren't sexually attracted to the same kinds of people as us, who have different theological understandings as us, and can't play the Mennonite game the same as us because they're not related to us. And that brings me to my point about the term ethnic Mennonite, because the way I have heard it here, used here at Goshen, ethnic Mennonite means, well, I'm agnostic, but my parents were Mennonite, and I'm still cool with the peace thing. <laughs> That's not a thing. And it really is insulting because when it was used in the Paraguayan context, it in, in, implied that I, a Mennonite, focused. It implied that I was not as good a Mennonite as everybody else up there. That I couldn't trace my roots back to Menno Simons, and then suddenly, somehow I was like a second class Mennonite, and it completely disregards the global Mennonite church, which is very different from what you see around you here today. Furthermore, practically here at Goshen College, it ruins the chance for evangelism. And I would like to inform you, every one of you that is not Mennonite, and I'm probably the only person that's ever going to do it during your stay here, that you can be a Mennonite. You can get baptized, join the church, and become a Mennonite. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but we can't talk about inclusion and exclusion, holy cow, I'm running out of time, without talking about the LGBTQ movement here on Goshen's campus because the LGBTQ movement is right to point out that there is explicit discrimination in the hiring policies against the members of the LGBTQ community when they come back to Goshen College and want to serve as professors. I believe that this hiring policy will change before most of you graduate. I'm not worried about this, but, but I think most of the people in this movement also understand that there's bigger things at stake here, and there's more questions, like what about the implicit sexism, heteronormativity, racism, and ethnocentrism evident in every aspect of Goshen College, from the demographics of the President's Council down to interpersonal relationships? 
It's bigger than simply a hiring policy, people. What scares me is the idea that Goshen College will fail to mobilize to encompass everyone, to include everyone within the community of Goshen College, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, Mennoniteness, and the list goes on and on. Simply, a group of white Mennonites wearing the same color shirts, be they yellow or be they purple, is not necessarily inclusive or diverse. But I did not come here solely to criticize Goshen College and the members of its community. And I love Goshen College. What I love most about Goshen College is the ability for people to reach out and form authentic relationships with people that are totally different from themselves. There are a plethora of opportunities to do that here, from everyday engagement in the college classroom to the rot, to, to clubs and organizations that often have a certain kind of people that attend them, from like hymn club, if you needed to get to know Mennonites, to LSU, to ISC, to BSU, to Latin dancing, to swing dancing, to, to Taizé, to art club, to even Goshen College skepticals, if you don't, skeptics if you don't agree with the other ones. <laughs> Goshen College, community has the opportunity to be Mennonite, to be inclusive, to be diverse. This is a fluid community where you can put down your iPad and interact and even develop a relationship with someone who is totally different. What an exciting experience it can be. Thanks for coming. That's all we have for today. Have a great day. Happy St. Patty's Day.